Howdy, Jargoneers. Welcome to Just a Ride 79. Due to some circumstances, the three of us are not together today, but we have a show for you nonetheless. It's an all Brainy Meets episode, so what we're going to do is each of us are going to read to you some quotes that we chose for this week, and our hope with Brainy Meets is always to give you a nugget of something that might help you think about your life and figure out something that you might be having an issue with. I will say this week, integrity seems to be the theme underlying all of this, at least one of them. And every time we do this, I come to the realization that life has not changed that much, even if we have computers and we've been to the moon and all that shit, the wisdom of our ancestors is still valid, and in many cases still very, very relevant, at least in my view. So let's immerse ourselves in some dead people's thoughts. Now let's do something constructive for our brainy meats. It's time for thinky things. Alright, first up, it's Mrs. Scriptkeeper. She's got some nuggets that she dug up for you, so here she is. This week I chose quotes that relate to happiness and integrity, uh, mainly because it's, well, it's January, mid-January, and The happiness portion is important because we're all kind of stuck in shitty weather. So here we go. Happiness is when you think what you say and what you do are in harmony. Mahatma Gandhi. The moments of happiness we enjoy take us by surprise. It's not that we seize them, but that they seize us. Ashley Montague. One of the secrets of a happy life is continuous small treats. I thought that was important. (laughs) Uh, Love my coffee and cigarettes. Small treats. Even if happiness forgets you a little bit, never completely forget about it. Jacques Prevert. Now on to a few integrity quotes. The foundation stones for a balanced success are honesty, character, integrity, faith, love, and loyalty. Zig Ziglar. The strength of a nation derives from the integrity of the home. Confucius. I'm going to say that one again. The strength of a nation derives from the integrity of the home. The supreme quality of leadership is unquestionable integrity. Without it, no real success is possible, no matter whether it's on a section gang, a football field, in an army or in an office. Dwight D. Eisenhower. Live so that when your children think of fairness, caring, and integrity, they think of you. H. Jackson Brown Jr. If you have integrity, nothing else matters. If you don't have integrity, nothing else matters. Alan K. Simpson. One of the truest tests of integrity is its blunt refusal to be compromised. There is no investment you can make which will play so well as the effort to scatter sunshine and good cheer throughout your establishment. Orison Sweatmarden. We must adjust to changing times and still hold to unchanging principles. Jimmy Carter. Here's a truth. Principled leaders solve moral problems. They have the courage to act rightly. They consistently demonstrate principled conduct under pressure. Gus Lee. The personal cost of keeping your own ethics sound and true may seem a bit of a burden at times, but that is a minimal price to pay to be true to yourself. There is absolutely no advantage or changing or altering a set of ethics that portray a person of value 
and integrity. Byron Pulsifer. When you stop living your life based on what others think of you, real life begins. At that moment, you will finally see the door of self-acceptance opened. Shannon Adler. Walk with honor, character, and integrity in all that you do. Do these things and you will find that you can appreciate the adventure of life and live with greater ease. Sean Anderson. The last one made me smile when I read it. I cannot and will not cut my conscience to fit this year's fashions. Lillian Hellman. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. And I hope maybe one or two of you, maybe one of these quotes uh, hit home and uh, maybe it provoked a little bit of thought. I don't know, maybe brought a smile to your face. And uh, until next week, enjoy. Thank you, Babu Baba. We're going to save Poobah for the end. So it's Peebah time, which is Meebah. All right, my first quote comes from the infamous Niccolo Machiavelli. And it goes like this The first method for estimating the intelligence of a ruler is to look at the men he has around him. You know, my response to that would be, What do you need a ruler for? We're not going on safari. You don't need a leader. But since we're sharing this fever dream together and we do have leaders, it's good to look at the people they surround themselves with. We should just pause for a second and look at our leaders and, Oh, God. All right, here's a quote from Samuel Johnson. Quote, integrity without knowledge is weak and useless, and knowledge without integrity is dangerous and dreadful, end quote. In case you don't know who Samuel Johnson is, he was considered the most distinguished man of letters in English history, at least to some folk. All right, this next quote I'm sure you've heard, but it's rather prescient. It comes from Edmund Burke, an 18th century philosopher. He said, quote, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing, end quote. That gets kind of heavy. All right, next is Kurt Vonnegut, the American writer. He said, quote, just because some of us can read and write and do a little math, that doesn't mean we deserve to conquer the universe, end quote. We sure think it does, though, don't we? All right, next up, one of my favorites, Voltaire, quote, the history of the world's great leaders is often the story of human folly, end quote. See, Voltaire knew. We're not in a parade. You don't need a leader. Especially when it comes to government, a leader usually wants to be in charge, and that's a bad personal trait. If you feel like, you know what, I should be in charge of telling people what to do, you're a fucking dick, end quote. Next, we can't have brainy meats without some stoics. This is Epictetus, quote, If someone succeeds in provoking you, Realize that your mind is complicit in the provocation, end quote. My mind has been complicit in all sorts of stupid shit. Now we go to Plato, and he said, quote, The measurement of a man is what he does with power, end quote. And, you know, most of us aren't going to get much power in life, but you do see it when people get even a little bit of power. They shift a little bit and become very serious about themselves. All right, next we have a German writer named Bertolt Brecht, and he says, quote, The law was made for one thing alone, for the exploitation of those who don't understand it or are prevented by naked misery from obeying it, end quote. Well, shit. All right, next is from apparently Napoleon Bonaparte, but it's hard to ever know these things. Quote, The fool has one great advantage over a man of sense. He's always satisfied with himself, end quote. I bet you guys have noticed. All right, next up is a political writer and a revolutionary Russian anarchist named Mikhail Bakunin. And he said, quote, When the people are being beaten with a stick... They are not much happier if it's called the people's stick, end quote. But there will be a lot of people around to say, yeah, but we voted on the stick, so it's better. All right, I always find myself doing a little Nietzsche. This is Frederick Nietzsche, quote, The surest way to corrupt a youth is to instruct him to hold in higher esteem those who think alike than those who think differently, end quote. I think I've done that one before, but it is worth repeating. For my temperament and in my experience, 
speaking with people that I disagree with has been some of the most instructive moments of my life. And because I've learned so much, I seek it out a lot. But it is kind of masochistic after a while because you just start to listen to people that hate you. And it doesn't feel good for your warm fuzzies. But if you do care if what you think is true, you do have to challenge your own beliefs. All right, this next quote comes from Carl Jung, the Swiss psychiatrist and psychotherapist and guru to many. Quote, everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves. End quote. I'm going to do that one again. Everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves. Fuck me. Our next quote comes from a living human being. He's still alive. His name is Michael Shermer, and he runs Skeptic Magazine. But this is a very cool quote. It's the basis of his book, Believing Brain. Quote, we form our beliefs for a variety of subjective, personal, emotional, and psychological reasons in the context of environments created by family, friends, colleagues, culture, and society at large. After forming our beliefs, we then defend, justify, and rationalize them with a host of intellectual reasons, cogent arguments, and rational explanations. Beliefs come first. Explanations for beliefs follow. So basically, we believe something first, and we go out and look for evidence or things that resemble evidence to make us feel like we're choosing the right thing. Now, the two main ones that come to mind, of course, politics and religion. And we often just cherry pick the things that sound good to make us look like we chose the right thing. And all the other people that disagree are trolls or haters or pariahs. And then we can just revel in our crapulence. All right, this next quote's one of my favorites, and I think about it often. It comes from the greatest of Stoics, Marcus Aurelius. Quote: Never let the future disturb you. You will meet it, if you have to, with the same weapons of reason which today arm you against the present, end quote. Fuck, let that one sink in. They say anxiety comes from the fear of the future, right? But when the future seems like the present, you will be you and you will have the same faculties that you have now, even if you're nervous or you're fucking, uh. Past performance predicts future performance, right? So if you've made it through challenges and even risen to the challenge in the past, you likely will again. But your dumb brainy meat wants to tell you that you won't. Next up is a French philosopher who I believe his name is Michel de Montaigne. And I'm certain he went, ha ha ha. But he said, quote, he who fears he shall suffer already suffers what he fears, end quote. <laughs> Another living person with some wisdom for us. Apparently, Anthony Hopkins said this, quote, My philosophy is, it's none of my business what people say of me and think of me. I am what I am, and I do what I do. I expect nothing and accept everything, and it makes life so much easier, end quote. That's a tough one to internalize because as social creatures, we fucking take it to heart when somebody says we're a cunt. I can't speak for all of us, but I know a lot of people do. Next up, we go back to Russia. His Russian name is Fyodor Dostoevsky. But here in the West, we call him Fyodor Dostoevsky. Full of wisdom. Check out the brothers Karamazov if you're interested. It's a book! And his quote is very simple. Quote, above all... Don't lie to yourself, end quote. Makes sense to me that a lot of our personality stems from how honest we are about things to ourselves. Right, now, the next quote is said to come from Da Vinci. That may or may not be true. But he says, quote, The greatest deception men suffer is from their own opinions, end quote. And it seems to me a way to counteract these opinions of yours that are tearing your shit apart. There's three ways, at least off the top of my head, and I'm sure you guys could come up with more. But one, listen to people that you disagree with or that have different opinions. Two, learn first principles. It's very important to understand the fundamentals of things. Like, for example, if people are arguing about economics, you're just listening to their opinions unless you know the fundamentals of economics. AKA, where does your food come from? But first principles go even deeper. And number three, don't take yourself or your opinions that serious. You'll notice wherever things are getting fucked up in the world, people are very, very serious about their shit. Now, when I say take yourself less serious, I'm not saying everything's a joke and give up on fucking having responsibility. I'm saying lighten the fuck up. You're probably wrong about most things. And if your life is stress and anxiety, you probably should challenge your opinions because they could be the source of your suffering. I bloviate. All right, next. Benjamin Franklin, quote, 
Whatever begins in anger ends in shame, end quote. He is attributed as saying, we're going to revisit old Ben Frank here in a minute, but I love that. Whatever begins in anger ends in shame. This makes me think of something I've heard just in my life, where you want to try and live a life where you don't have to apologize for much. But that's a life of temperance and patience, humility, integrity, and in general, honor. And just in my cynical mind, I guess, I don't see that being the top priorities as far as virtues go in the West. Fucking temperance, yeah? <laughs> All right, next is Leo Tolstoy, the Russian writer, one of the greatest writers of all time, saith the world, quote, the strongest of all warriors are these two, time and patience, end quote. The strongest of all warriors are these two, time and patience. It does kind of feel like an internal war when you're required to have patience and to wait. All right, I'm trying to pull out all the heavy hitters today. So here's C.S. Lewis, the greatest of all Christian apologists, many would say, and the author of the Chronicles of Narnia, quote, if you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you will not get either comfort or truth. Wishful thinking to begin, and in the end, despair, end quote. And the last rapid-fire quote I'm going to do before we spend some time on Ben Franklin. This comes from the politician and writer from, I think, 17th century, 18th century, George Saville, Englishman. Quote, a man who is a master of patience is a master of everything else. End quote. Well, fuck. Okay, so there was a bunch of squirts of wisdom from some people that lived a life, right? Okay, so playing off the squirts thing I just said, uh, let's see if we can milk a guy for his wisdom. This is a really interesting thing that Benjamin Franklin did at age 20. He made a list of 13 virtues that he wanted to live by. And it's been 300 years, and I'd say they are still excellent. One, temperance. Eat not to dullness, drink not to elevation. I'm pretty sure old BJ Franks liked to party, though. Two, silence. Speak not but what may benefit others or yourself. Avoid trifling conversation. BJ Franks founded the New York Post. Three, order. Let all the things have their place. Let each part of your business have its time. Four, resolution. Resolve to perform what you ought. Perform without fail what you resolve. Five, frugality. Make no expense but to do good to others or yourself, i.e. waste nothing. 6. Industry. Lose no time. Be always employed in something useful. Cut off all unnecessary actions. I wonder if he would have said that if he knew about Grand Theft Auto V. Sincerity. Use no hurtful deceit. Think innocently and justly. And if you speak, speak accordingly. 8. Justice. Wrong none by doing injuries or omitting the benefits that are your duty. Don't be a cunt, don't be a cunt. Nine, moderation. Avoid extremes. Forbear resenting injuries so much as you think they deserve. Well, that's not a sentence you hear in the modern times now, is it? I'll let you figure out what the fuck he means there, but I'll tell you, forbearance is a refraining from the enforcement of something, like a debt. But avoiding extremes is pretty cut and dry. Number ten, cleanliness. Tolerate no uncleanliness in body, clothes, or habitation. Wash your asshole! Number 11, tranquility. Be not disturbed at trifles. I love trifles. Or at accidents common or unavoidable. So I'll do it again. Be not disturbed at trifles or at accidents common or unavoidable. Tranquility. Number 12, chastity. Rarely use venery, but for health or offspring. Never to dullness, weakness, or the injury of your own or another's peace or reputation. And number 13, humility. Imitate Jesus and Socrates. Benjamin Franklin was born January 17th, 1706, 318 years ago. I will say that the chastity thing, I think, was not his best suit. 
because he was part of the Hellfire Club and uh, quite the devil, I'd say, when it came to fucking. But he had high hopes for himself, and you should have high hopes for yourself, too. And, you know, we end up being hypocrites, perhaps, but aim for being less of a cunt every day, and, you know, you'll get there. Or at least that's a rumor. I don't know myself because I'm still a huge cunt. And that's all I have for you today. I hope some of it was useful. It certainly felt good to say that to you and to think about these things for myself. It's all just very wise people, much, much smarter than I, and probably you, but maybe not. So good luck. Hello, me. It's me again. Aw, can you don't. Now it is time for the great Poobah, who has himself quite the affliction this evening, but here's he to close out the show. Hello there, Jargoneers. It's your resident Poobah, Shaden. And guess what? Ugh, I have the hiccups. Any of you that don't know, I get the hiccups maybe once a year. Not very <laughs> often. But when I do, they're exceptionally violent and 100% <laughs> coming from my soul. Can't help that I have them tonight, but <laughs> because it is a extremely snowy jar eve, <laughs> we are recording this shit remotely and we're going to do some extended brainy meets. And I hope that you enjoy it. I've got a good collection of quotes here for you, so let's dive right into into this, and uh, forgive me, because I'm going to stutter my whole way through, but it's going to be fun what the hell? for you, not for, <laughs> not for me. Let's go! This first one I've got for you is from a gentleman whose name I can never pronounce correctly. Uh, it's either... Ellie or Eli? I'm leaning towards Eli. It's Eli Weisel. He said, The opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. The opposite of art is not ugliness. It's indifference. The opposite of faith is not heresy. It's indifference. And the opposite of life is not death. (laughs) It's indifference. I've always really liked this quote because it, as though it needs to be said, it highlights that indifference is the enemy of many things, if not all things. Indifference, uh, I'll put it to you guys this way. My father is a Baptist preacher, has been for over half my life, and he used to talk about indifference being a uh, a downhill slope and a lot of people view it as a plateau and when he highlighted that it kind of resonated with me because what his uh, assertion was was that if you are indifferent or complacent then you are not coasting you are in fact sliding downhill whatever that might be applied to you're sliding downhill if you are trying to apply yourself in a relationship and you get complacent it doesn't just coast and stay the same it goes downhill if you are trying to better yourself and you get complacent You're not going to coast and stay the same level of betterment, excuse me, that you were. You're going to start sliding backwards. And regardless of your feelings on religion 
whatever religion it may be, I have found that to be true. The moment that you get complacent or indifferent is the moment that you start backsliding. So if you are really trying to make something of anything, then you cannot become indifferent because the moment that you do is the moment that you start losing all of the value that you've built up until that point. Benjamin Franklin Wade. This next quote is by that gentleman. And I think it speaks for itself. Benjamin said, go to heaven for the climate and hell for the company. I really feel like I don't have to expound upon that simply because it is cheeky, but there is also a grain of truth to it. If you spend your life around virtuous people, people that strive for virtuosity, uh, you're going to be perhaps fulfilled, but you will be ultimately let down in substance. That might be a bit of a controversial statement, but I'll put it to you this way. If you have not lived a life, if you have not leaned into the shit, the blood, the piss, the nitty gritty parts of life, then you're probably not somebody who can relate to anybody that has. And let's be honest, we live in a world where a lot of people fucking have. So if I think... And I might be off base here, but if this is the essence of this statement, I couldn't agree with it more. Go to heaven for the climate, a.k.a. spend your time around people that are virtuous and nice and comfortable because it is nice. It's nice to be around those sort of folks. But go to hell for the company because people that have been drug through the dirt and have seen some shit if you have also been drugged through the dirt and seen some shit you'll have things to relate over that the vast majority of other people just simply won't understand and there is a wealth of value and solace to be gained from that couldn't go a single Brainy Mead segment without quoting one of the female greats in the intellectual and philosophical community. I may not have agreed with everything that she said, but this quote from Margaret Mead really resonates with me. Margaret said, Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. I think that quote is great because it really highlights the power of a small group of dedicated individuals, which is really what all of human history comes down to, if we're being honest. It is a small group of like-minded people that get together with intention and purpose and drive and they 
decide that there is an, a new direction that needs to be grasped and realized. We're going into a, a crazy year, and I think that ideas like this, thought patterns like this, are going to be paramount. Because let's let's face it, gang, our world, no matter where you sit on the political slash social slash economic structure, wherever you sit, this year is going to rock your fucking boat. And it's really going to come down to dedicated and passionate individuals that have a will to change things, hopefully for the better. And if not for the better, then I don't know. Let's fight, I guess. Let's have an old-fashioned turn-our-mustaches-up bare-knuckle boxing match. (laughs) But in all seriousness, this is perhaps the most important facet of humanity all throughout history is small groups of dedicated people that believe in something coming together, discussing it, fleshing it out, and trying to make it the new reality that's not to say that every time that happens it is a good thing but that is the primary catalyst for change in in the world since we've been a part of it in my experience and i think that is worth examination at the very least and emulation perhaps at the most You talk when you cease to be at peace with your thoughts. This one is very interesting. This is a quote by Cahill Gibran, self-styled as the prophet. I don't know how prophetic this is, but this is one of those abstract sort of quotes that has always fascinated me. You talk when you cease to be at peace with your thoughts. This might not always be true, universally speaking, but there is a grain of truth to it. And when you start delving into philosophy, you kind of reach a point fairly quickly where you understand that things that are said are not meant to be necessarily all-encompassing or true 100% of the time. Rather, they are meant to spur a certain degree of thoughtfulness from the listener. This is one of those quotes. You talk when you cease to be at peace with your thoughts. There is some undeniable truth to that. I don't think that it is true universally. People talk plenty of times when they're already at peace with their thoughts. People talk when they're not not at peace with their thoughts, but they feel that they need to speak up regardless. But if we dig into this, you talk when you cease to be at peace with your thoughts... We all have an inner world that we have to contend with. We 
like to focus on the external world that we have to interact within but our i i would posit that our internal world is far more vast than the external world i think that there is much more inside of each one of us than there is outside each one of us this medium that we interact in called reality this is where we come to compare notes but before and beyond all of that there is this vast internal world that i think has an overlap between individual to in individual but when you find disharmony in your internal monologue to where you feel that something is the way that it is or you start to wonder if perhaps the things that you think are not the invaluable things that you think them to be that's when you suddenly f feel the inescapable need to open your fucking mouth and bounce it off of the echo chamber. And I think there's a great deal of value to that. I think a lot of people would read this quote from Cahill and say, oh, well, what he's trying to say is if you're at peace with your thoughts, you will never have to speak. I don't know that that's the case. I think it is more the case, and this is one cunt's opinion, but I think it is more the case that it is highlighting the notion that when you become less than at peace with your thoughts, you need to seek validation from outside perspective. And I have to be honest with you guys, there's nothing more valuable than that when it comes to personal growth and personal development, in my opinion. There is there's a vast world inside of you, but there's only so much you can do when you stay within the confines of your conversation with yourself. At some point, you will need to emerge from that, even if it's only momentarily, and you will need to confer with your colleagues that are sharing this human experience with you because we need that perspective. That's a cornerstone of why we need one another is because we, none of us, in my opinion, none of us has the perspective of the whole. We all need to confer with one another and compare notes to arrive at something resembling the whole because we didn't arrive here from wherever or whatever you believe we didn't arrive here fully equipped with all of the puzzle pieces we have to connect with one another in order to discover the pieces that we are missing so when you are no longer at peace with your internal thoughts then you need to seek outside perspective outside validation and and outside cooperation 
so that you can arrive somewhere nearer the heart of the thing that you're trying to examine. This has gotten perhaps off the rails, but I I definitely believe there are some of you out there who are resonating with what I'm saying because you've already arrived at the point where your internal monologue, dialogue, however you want to frame it, has ceased to be enough. And I think that's very important because if we individually are the be-all, end-all of our existence, that's where the danger zone comes in because none of us has all the pieces. I believe that. And I hope that you guys believe that as well because it's hubris in my opinion not to we are meant to help one another figure out the grand tapestry of the design if we all showed up with the blueprint then there would be no point in all of us being here and sharing a cage together So I think that it is crucial that we delve deeply into our internal thoughts, but we also know when to surface and air those thoughts into the shared public space. Because without that perspective, we as individuals, in my opinion, are lost. Never let your sense of morals prevent you from doing what is right. That's a quote by Isaac Asimov. And this is one that has always fascinated me because it delves into that gray area where people that espouse morality above all seem to fall short. I think that morality on its face is a good thing. It's a good thing to to strive for. But morality, in the classical sense, can get in the way of doing a truly good thing. What do you mean by that, Shaden? you might be asking? Well, what I mean by that is sometimes... There is the requirement for villainous acts in service of a larger good purpose. If something that you believe to be a virtue is standing in between you and doing something that is for the ultimate good, that is at the very least something that you should question, I think. And apparently, Isaac Asimov does as well, based upon this quote. But that is a very, very tricky line to walk. Because it is a breath away from using morality or the suspension of morality as an excuse to commit atrocity. And that is the point at which it becomes not okay but there is 
this fascinating gray area between this and that where you have to do something that is morally gray or even sometimes morally black and on the face of it taken out of context it is a less than good thing to do perhaps a bad thing to do maybe even once in a while a morally reprehensive thing to do but in certain contexts it is perhaps the only avenue towards an ultimately better outcome and I almost didn't even include this quote in my list for this episode because it is far too easily used as permission to commit atrocious acts, to engage in atrocious behavior. The utilitarian view that the good of the many far outweighs the good of the few doesn't always bear out in reality, and it takes an arguably insane degree of self-righteousness in order to completely espouse to that philosophy. But there is this pocket of human existence in which your sense of morality will indeed hold you back from doing what is ultimately a net positive thing and I I can't sit here and tell you all that I feel that that is a good thing there are times when you will be thinking to yourself well lying to people that care about me is morally reprehensible and in most cases I would say that is true, but in some cases, if that is your only avenue towards a ultimately good outcome, then perhaps that is the path that you should travel. But this can't be taken as a hard and fast rule, and it takes a lot of discernment, and you'll never ever be correct about it 100% of the time. So it is a dangerous razor blade edge to walk upon and it takes a lot a lot of experience and it takes a lot of discernment but I think that most of us have been in a position at some point in our adult lives where we can look back on it with the benefit of hindsight and think to ourselves, well, perhaps if I had played it this way, which may not have been the classically honorable way to play it, but perhaps if I had played it this way, things would have progressed maybe in a negative way for me or for person A or for person B, but ultimately they would have progressed in a way that would have been better for, for everybody. And at the very least, that is something that's worth thinking about. It bears a lot of conversation. It bears a lot of introspection. And if you are going to go that route in practice, 
it bears a lot of fucking fortitude and discernment. And if you're not up to that task, I encourage you to stay away from the gray path, (laughs) as it were, because it is a dangerous road to walk. It is a road that I have walked in my personal life a time or two, and I still found myself sitting over a quiet glass of gin many years later wondering, was that really the right move? Could I have accomplished that in a different way? Is there any other way that I could have arrived at this outcome? And ultimately, my answer has always been, I'm not sure. And that can be a heavy thing to live with under the certain circumstances. So I, I think that quotes like this are important because they stimulate intellectual activity in areas that might not otherwise be discussed. However, I feel that it is imperative that I impart upon you all that the paths outside the borders of morality are not to be tread absent deep consideration. And even then, they might bite you in the ass. But it is also important, and I will agree with Isaac Asimov here, that you bear it in mind that you don't let your sense of morals, whatever they may be, wherever they may have come from, don't let them stand in the way of you doing what is truly right. Just make sure that what is truly right in your estimation is indeed truly right. Otherwise, you may be faced with spending a lifetime full of regret. This last quote might fly a little bit in the face of the last one that I was ranting about, but... I'm going to include it as my final quote in this Brainy Meat Marathon because I feel that it is valuable when you're engaging in philosophy to compare and to contrast. This quote was coined by Patrick Ness. He said, You do not write your life with words. You write it with actions. What you think is not important It is only important what you do. This is a valuable other side to the coin. We were talking in my last quote about taking heavy consideration before you choose to act when it comes to the subject of morality and the gray areas that might surround it. Patrick is highlighting the perhaps other side of that or perhaps the inevitable conclusion of that sort of thinking and behavior. But he says, you don't write your life with words, you write it with actions. And I think that that really bears lingering upon because the things that you think are not going to be the things that echo throughout history. The things that you choose to do, those are the things that are going to linger and resonate with people perhaps long after you're gone. 
you could have thought all manner of things. You could have conceptualized grand and wonderful things. But if you never chose to act upon any of them, or if you acted upon them in a manner that was incongruous with your thoughts during your lifetime, no one is going to remember your thoughts because they were your thoughts. People are going to remember your actions. So when it comes to writing your story, your personal mark upon the world, the journey that you took, your thoughts are going to be of little consequence. The things that you choose to act on will be the things that carry on once you've expired. And that is, in my opinion, worthy of consideration because you will be faced with any number of intellectual quandaries in your life and you will have a vast ocean of things that you decided to think about those quandaries but all anyone is going to remember is what you chose to do about any given one of them that is going to be your legacy that will be the thing that people judge you by that's the measure that you sit on for the scope of human eternity so while you should weigh your thoughts carefully and thoughts have utility and the inner world of your self might be far larger and grander than the external world the external world is only going to remember what you chose to do about all of that shit so if you can manage to be mindful of your actions while still finding a way to be a thoughtful and measured person that to me seems like one of the wiser paths to take through life so that's my two cents on it you guys can extrapolate as you will i hope you've enjoyed this section of extended brainy meats we all had some inclement weather and health concerns that we had to deal with and we wanted to make sure that you guys got something out of the ride this week and i sincerely hope that you did and I hope all of this has found you guys well. Wherever you're at in your journey right now, I hope that it has found you well. And I hope that you have a fantastic week. We'll be back next Friday morning with Just a Ride. And I'm wholeheartedly looking forward to it. I hope you all have an excellent weekend. I hope you're staying safe out there. This winter has been a wild winter all across the board and i wish you all nothing but the best and we will see you next time on just a ride just a ride oh it's just a ride